Greetings. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Legacy Drawing Board, the podcast journey and experience that wants you to build a stronger, more meaningful legacy by embracing good design principles. I'm your host, Ron Fong. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, let me give you the background of the podcast and its three principles. The first is its vision. To have people see themselves in the world through the lens of legacy design and building. Number two, it's its mission to introduce people into the world of design and have them emerge as storytellers. And finally, the purpose. There's a perpetual need for leadership that calls us to edify others through enduring relationships. This episode focuses on the mentor-mentee relationship. We use mentor mentorships a great deal, especially in the workplace. We need to distinguish that it is different and it has a specific role apart from that of a uh, leader, a teacher, an advisor, or a counselor. There are times in which that may be incorporated, but there's a very unique purpose to being a mentor. Give you some background. Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, which I have not read. I haven't even read the cliff notes. But just to give you a little bit of background. Mentor was a trusted friend of Odysseus. And when Odysseus left for the Trojan War, he placed his son Telemachus in Mentor's charge. Basically, Mentor was to function as a father in place until Odysseus could come back. He was to guide his young charge. Unfortunately, Mentor did not do a very good job. Athena, seeing this, disguised herself as Mentor and intervened to help Telemachus right the wrongs in his life, and that includes his his house being ransacked and all these suitors were pursuing his mother. So he was able to keep things in place uh, due to Athena's intervention until his father got back home and they were able to regain their house. That's the background of how we get the word mentor. Again, some of the elements to take away from that was that Athena uh, basically had to fulfill the responsibilities of mentor. She protected him and she intervened and was very proactive. And that's the point here for mentors is that you are proactive. You're actually being, you're scanning the landscape, looking for people that basically are in trouble or need help and you go to them. Oftentimes we think about us seeking mentors or looking for mentors, especially in the workplace. But here is that mentorship in its truest sense of the word is the onus is on the mentor, which it should be, because many times the mentor is more experienced, has more resources, and it's now beginning to see life as a bigger picture. For those of you who are thinking about your legacy and thinking about the meaning thinking about what you want your life to say. Mentorship is a great focus for that, to be able to channel your energy and give it direction, give it shape, give it purpose. I'm going to refer to two uh, biblical stories to emphasize the unique calling of mentorship. The first is Moses. You think about Moses and you think about the Ten Commandments, the parting of the Red Sea. But before he got to all of that, think back to what happened. He was an orphan. He was the prince of Egypt, second command only to Pharaoh. 
but he became a fugitive when he killed the Egyptian uh, protecting a Hebrew. And Moses had his desert season where he was a wanderer, and he wound up in uh, Midian. And he came across uh, some young ladies who were tending their sheep and were being harassed by other shepherds at the watering station, and he intervened on their behalf. Their father, Jethro, asked, well, who did this, and who's this kind person? Please, let's welcome him. So Jethro was a Midian priest, and he had some means. He had seven daughters he was able to support, and he had a flock of sheep. And obviously, Jethro was uh, senior to Moses, but look at the, where they were relative to each other. You know, Jethro had a family, had stability, and Moses was a fugitive. But Jethro saw something in him. He saw his kindness to his daughters, and he brought him in. He actually gave him uh, a trade. Uh, Moses tended his uh, flock for Jethro. And in turn, Jethro provided Moses with shelter, and he actually uh, had one of his daughters marry him. Now, in this time, is that throughout the Bible, uh, most of the passages refer to Jethro as Moses' father-in-law. And that's the thing about a mentor-mentee relationship. It is so intimate. It is so powerful that it's really a covenant. It's a basis of blood or family. Many times, again, is that Jethro was referred to as Moses' father-in-law. That's They wanted to identify that familial connection to it. And how did Jethro mentor Moses? Well, one of the things was that when Moses came back from Egypt, then Jethro saw in Moses that God had indeed blessed him, that Moses was destined for something bigger. And that's the thing about mentorship, is that when you as the mentor are looking for people, and you see that someone who's been gifted, someone who may be struggling at this time, but definitely has a gift or a calling, and that's when you take the proactive steps to intervene because to when they fulfill their calling, we all benefit. And that's what Jethro does. And he's a protector in this sense. Protector in terms of not so much the external enemies, but Moses took it upon himself that he was trying to adjudicate every dispute among the Israelites. And he was wearing himself to the bone. And Jethro basically said, Moses, what are you doing? You're wearing yourself out. Set up, recruit people, identify elders, identify other wise men whom could uh, adjudicate the uh, the lesser cases or you know the lower courts, and then leave the big stuff to you. So that's where a mentorship is, is that, again, it's really important that it's proactive and it's protective. And many times is that we are our own worst enemies. The second instance in the Bible about mentorship is Jonathan and David. Jonathan is at least 10 years David senior. And again, think about where they are in their stations in life. David was a shepherd boy, and Jonathan was the eldest son of King Saul. So he was second in command, and he was in line for the throne. Yet there was a bond between Jonathan and David, and oftentimes this is cited as one of the best examples of friendship. Jonathan and David, in, in, in reading in... Um, First Samuel, the book of First Samuel, there are three instances in which they talked about their friendship they, for their friendship. 
they advanced it or they um, des- described it as a covenant. They entered a covenant with each other. That's how strong their bond is. And that was how strong Jonathan's commitment is to David. That's the one thing about a mentor-mentee relationship. The mentor commits to the mentee, and that falls in line with a covenant relationship. It's one of those things where it's not necessarily mutually beneficial, and it's not one of those where you could easily walk away from, such as a social contract. A covenant is much more powerful, much more binding. And again, it's accountable to a higher power. Now, how did Jonathan protect David, or what did he see in David? Saul knew that David was a threat to his throne. That's why Saul made repeated attempts to kill David and designate David as an enemy of the state. And he he informed his son that David is a threat to their lineage, their power, and that David must be eliminated for them to retain their throne. Despite this, and despite, again, Jonathan being you know, second command, and he would be king upon you know, Saul's death. Nonetheless, he risked his life. He risked his station. He risked everything for David because he was a mentor, he was a friend, and it was a covenantal relationship. That is the power of the mentor-mentee relationship. For those of you, and you know, in the, you're definitely in your 50s, you were mentors already to your children. You protected them. And it was a covenantal relationship in a sense that you didn't expect anything back from your children. That was your duty, that was your responsibility, your obligation, but also your uh, your privilege and your blessing to have children in your life in which you can protect, whom you can protect and bring up. And the idea was that you weren't really expecting anything in return. That was your job. For mentors, in the workplace. We'll go first in the workplace. We have in the business settings many times that you'll be assigned a mentor, but it's really more an advisee or counselor, maybe even a friend. There's nothing wrong with those things. A teacher, but it's not a mentor. It's not a mentor in the truest sense of the word, unless this individual is so invested in you that they will protect you at all costs. They will protect you from all the political slings and arrows. They will risk their livelihood for yours. That's what a mentor does. Advisor, advisee, teacher, pupil, all those things, it's not as intense. And that's not saying that those being a teacher, being an advisor, being a counselor, I'm not saying those don't have value. It's just that it's different and it's limited compared to that of a mentor. Think about your uh, home situation. Obviously, if for those of you who are married and have children, then you're going to have that mentor-mentee relationship. But if you're involved in your church group, if you're involved in volunteer organizations, there will be people who are younger than you. And for you, if you're seeking a higher cause, a, a greater purpose, Do you see this person being gifted? Do you see this person having a calling? And do you see these person that may be running into situations in which they cannot fulfill the potential? Sometimes these are external forces and sometimes they're internal forces where they just can't get out of their own way. If you see that and you realize that this person is not reaching their potential and that's going to be a shame because we won't be able to benefit from this person's 
the fruits of this person's gifts and you take it upon yourself. You're active. You're not just putting your name on a list waiting for someone to call you. You go to that person and you initiate the mentor-mentee relationship. That's what entails in terms of being a mentor. And if you're in your 50s, even your 40s, you have opportunities. And you're in your 30s, you might be thinking, I need a mentor. I'm not in a position to be a, uh, a mentor. I, I, I'm a mentee. I need someone. And that that's that's fine where you are aware of what you need. And again, it may be more of a teacher, an advisor, whatnot. But start thinking about it because as you start accumulating wisdom, as you start accumulating knowledge, as you increase your understanding, then you're going to see things differently. You're going to see things, uh, you're going to have a wider view of the landscape. And in that instance, start preparing yourself to be a mentor. Start being aware of the things that are around you. Start being aware of people and take the time to ask a little bit more uh, questions to connect with individuals. You'll never know when someone will come across that has a gift that all the others, all the others around you have dismissed or missed completely. Going back to your legacy, the legacy is a message. It's a message for the times when you're not there or the times that you're gone. And that's the thing about the mentorship. It's covenantial in which the bond is intense. It's a, it's a blood bond. It's a family bond. And it's generational. You're not uh, investing yourself for this individual just by itself in that timeline. Again, it's like you know teaching the pupil to be a teacher. Is that you're mentoring a mentee to be a mentor. And you think about it in the case of Moses where he mentored Joshua. We often talked about the Moses generation, the Joshua generation. And with David, he did ascend to the throne to uh, become king. And he had many children, but probably most prominent was Solomon. And I suspect he did mentor Solomon. As you're looking for this, where does design come into this, the principles of good design? Well, one of the 10 principles of good design from uh, Dieter Brahms, the influential German industrial uh, designer, is that good design is long-lasting. You're not going to do this for just a semester. You're not going to do this just until you guys continue working on a project. It's one of those things where it's an investment for the long term. And your, I don't want to necessarily call it success, but the value that you are providing to your mentee is going to be, is not going to be fully realized within the lifetime of the mentee. It will be realized and hopefully perpetuated throughout because your mentee will become a mentor to a mentee who will become a mentor and so on. And think about that in terms of your legacy. Think about how powerful that is and think about what it says about your character. That you didn't wait for someone to come to you who was in, 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 in desperate need of help. You saw a situation in which you could do something. Do something to help someone. Help someone uh, reach the potential. Help someone be able to use their talents to the greatest capabilities. Help someone who will contribute 
to the betterment of the world. And that's a very, very powerful legacy. Think about that again in terms of the mentor-mentee relationship, how it differs from uh, the teacher, the advisor, the counselor, even a leader. And it's, it's one of those things where to look, first of all, to examine yourself. You know, what do you want your legacy to say? You know, how do you want to touch others? And even when you're not gone, because you think about that, for the people that you will mentor, even if you're gone or not there, then when they start mentoring their mentees, your influence is being carried on. Your words of wisdom, your character, you know, how, how you treated other people, that's going to be passed on. And that's going to be a very powerful testimony to your legacy. Think about mentors, mentees. You're never too young to start thinking yourself as a mentor because there's always going to be people younger than you that need help. And again, be proactive. Understand there, there are no shortages of opportunities for you to help guide people. And that's not to say you have to have a dozen or a hundred mentees. That's just going to be too time consuming. But there's someone out there for you. There's someone out there who's going to need your unique skill set, your unique uh, temperament, your outlook of life. And to ask that person to be able to find you, given that they're going to be younger than you, less experience, there's fewer resources, and they may even be in a time of turmoil in their lives when they can't see things straight. That's asking a lot for that person to be able to identify a mentor. But you, with your background, with your value, with your worth. Take the initiative, find that person, protect them, develop them, guide them so that they will be in a position to be a mentor. Uh, for those of you that are interested in exploring on how to build your legacy through design, I invite you to visit my website and sign up for a complimentary session on how we can work together. The website is uh, truenorthshepherding.com. And for those of you who have been listening uh, since almost last year, it's almost been a year since I started the podcast, again, thank you for your support. Uh, it means a great deal to me. I would love for you to share your journey as you have been uh, listening to this, these podcasts, the concepts of design. And I would love to hear from you of how you've been incorporating those things and how you now are on a path to a legacy that is driven by design. It's no longer, you know, jumping through hoops. It's no longer a bucket list. It's really design that you want to be helpful. You want to be honest. You want to be understandable. You want to be unobtrusive. You want to be long-lasting. All those principles that I talked about in previous episodes and how that's going. And are you having some roadblocks with that? Anything. Uh, you know, it's not always, there's no guarantee this will be something in which it will get exactly what you want. But nonetheless is that as you're going through it, you now have a story the story of you emerging as a designer that's coming through. And that's part of this mission is to have people come out as storytellers. 
Think about that as you're being a mentor, the stories they could have about the people that you have touched and so forth. And again, you know, the purpose is that we, we need leadership and then we, we're going we're gonna to achieve, help people become better leaders by establishing edifying, enduring relationships. And that is what mentorship is all about. So my email, for those of you that would be kind enough to drop me a line, it's rfong at truenorthshepherding.com. And for my next episode, I'll talk about the inner relationship and the difference among knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and why it's important in terms of your legacy design. Until then, please give your legacy the time and attention it deserves, because when you do, we all benefit. <laughs>